Defender. Where we talk about old stuff, new stuff, pop culture, because we're basic. And uh, welcome back for season two. So, Carol. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how my parents, who I thought growing up, you know, these people take care of me. They're in charge of another yeah. human being. I don't know how they function now without me. <laughs> like they did serve. Like you survived. They survived for many years. So it seems odd that it should be difficult for it them. It seems odd that they are so feeble that, like, <laughs> when I come... I think they're just pretending, because whenever I go home to visit them, they're like, we're helpless. We need you to do everything for us. And it's clearly a ploy to get me to do chores. Yeah. Ugh. They're like, I can't do it. You're like, somehow they're doing it when I'm not here. Yeah, how you guys take the garbage out when I'm not home, like, for the vast majority of the year. No, I think it's just when you are home, they're like, nice, I don't have to do it now. (laughs) I can slough off all of this work, all of these chores onto my offspring. Which is fair, I guess, they raised me, but like... Yeah, I think, well, in medieval times, I always like to cite this... People had kids for the sole purpose of having servants. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> servants cost money, but kids are free. Kids are free, and you can be proud of your kids. But also, I guess the trade-off then is, like, in the olden days, you would be like... It was actually also a benefit because it would be like, you you might get sheep or cow because you objectify... Uh, like, because women were objectified and literally traded yeah, for sheep. Yeah, you could sell them. Isn't that great? Yeah. Like, you're just... Wow. What a what a useful... Children used to be useful, but now we can only take out the garbage. Yeah. You could... Yeah, you could have... Well, you needed, like, a son, because primogeniture. You don't want to divide up your farm. So you need somebody to inherit... Um, and then I think preferably you would have the rest of your kids be daughters because then they could sew and cook and clean and then you could sell them. Yeah. Whereas like if you had other sons, you'd have to send them to the military or the priesthood, but you don't get stuff from that. You just get rid of them. So the only thing I would argue is that you would probably want a backup son. Okay, you should have two sons. Yeah, I would say in in the olden days, the prime number would be firstborn is a son, of course. Then Mm -hmm. you can, you know, keep your farm, whatever, don't have to split it up. Your legacy is safe, in short. Right, you need an heir and a spare. (laughs) An heir and a spare. Wow, (laughs) I love that. Um, (laughs) I didn't make it up. (laughs) Oh, well, I love it less now. But no, that's a classic uh, phrase. <laughs> I really like that a lot. I've never heard it. Um, but also, I don't like read heavy literature. I read like Harry Potter and then uh, <laughs> fucking uh, The Signal and the Noise by Nate Silverman for a class, which that book was, it, it took a lot out of me to read that. 
I don't think I've heard of that. Nate Silverman is like a uh, political talking head sort of deal. Oh, okay. So it's like a nonfiction? Uh, yeah. It, it talks a lot about like recognizing data and like there there's like a chapter on gambling and mm. there was a chapter on the housing market crash. It was very dry. Okay. So it's a bit like um, the guy who wrote like Outliers and... Yeah. The the ones with those covers, you know. Yes, the very covers. Um, they've got like one thing on them. Yeah, <laughs> like a marble. Yeah, except in in uh, Silverman's case, it was like not like a one thing. It was just the signal and the noise over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. Um. So I read that. Um. I had an online course last semester, which made me do that, and it didn't have anything due for it until the very last week Mm -hmm. so of course i put it all off until the very last week was it like a big paper no it was like weeks and weeks of small papers okay so it's just like a pain in the ass but it was also like i was totally fine just pushing it off and i recommend um what's the word not (laughs) no i i recommend what i did (laughs) I oh procrastinating. Yes, procrastinating. You recommend doing Always. that? Always in every in every way that it is possible to procrastinate without someone like being put in harm's way. There is no reason ever to do things immediately when you were told to do it. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I never do anything until the very last minute, but it sometimes is stressful i guess i've pulled a lot of all-nighters just because i didn't want to do (laughs) it earlier yeah i've definitely so i was like oh it's 3 a.m i guess i gotta do it yeah because it's due at 10 but i mean you need a little something to keep you like a little surprise in life you gotta keep it zesty gotta keep things spicy you know yeah what are you gonna do like follow a reasonable schedule (laughs) have healthy sleep habits have healthy sleep habits be like oh i know when this is due so i'll just start working on it early (laughs) i had a friend last semester who she would do the wildest shit ever which is she would get assigned all of the stuff in the syllabus and then for the first two weeks of school she would just knock it all out like like (laughs) just like grind super hard all of the big papers consistently just like whatever she could but like don't you need to Don't you need know... to learn things in your class? Yeah, you're supposed to do them at a certain point in the semester cuz you're that's when the class has taught you it. Well, for some things, yes. For some things there are for like G courses that are just general ed, like they're just mm-hmm. having you write a paper on some old dude so you can just look up the old dude now, you know. Oh, yeah, I guess so. I took so many literature courses where it's like you had a read the book obviously i can't read nine books in two weeks yeah a lot of it is just like in fact i couldn't read nine books in the whole semester yeah you know i'm actually doing pretty well on books they're young adult literature and by that i mean children literature i've been reading harry Mm -hmm. potter lately i love children's literature it's really good it's like better than i haven't read children's literature in a while um, I liked it a lot when I was a child. That's true. Um, 
I like children's TV a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like Nickelodeon, or what are you talking? Uh, cartoons. Yeah, cartoons are great. I've gotten very into enjoying cartoons. I respect that. Some of the ones that I watched as a kid, and then some new ones <laughs> I'll watch. Um, yeah, I was always super into cartoons, but, like, yeah. in terms of... I, I wasn't a big reader when I was younger, because I was like, this is just, ugh, kind of boring, but... Something must have oh. just changed in my brain chemistry, because, like, I love reading now. Like, whenever I get a oh. free fucking moment, I'm just, like, reading. Because for Christmas, my sister got me Kindle Unlimited. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I've just been, like, reading a bunch of shit. So I read uh, all of the first Lord of the Rings, which I had never read, which is super good. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I need to read the other ones, but I was reading it simultaneously with Harry Potter. So now I have to finish the Harry Potter series first because they're a little bit lighter and then I don't have to split up what I'm reading. But I'm on the last Harry Potter book. Yeah, I used to read more actually when I was younger than I do now. Hmm. But I think all these literature courses, which made me read boring books, mm. are are what's at fault They here. killed you. Because now I have three books simultaneously mm. checked out from the library yes. trying to read this super weird sci-fi which is good but i don't know what's happening um it's by jeff vandermeer it's called dead astronauts it's got this psychedelic cover and what it, what is this and, about and <sighs> it is about wow I'm bracing myself. Um, a city, uh-huh. which is called the city, mm-hmm. and a company, which is called the company, and they make weird things like animals that are weird. Like wow, this is a very imaginative and exciting, enthralling book. <laughs> about a company is it just called like the book (laughs) no it's called dead astronauts but it opens and it's like there they are the three of them the astronauts and they came out of space and time and they've been traveling through alternate dimensions trying to destroy this company because it's evil and one of them was an astronaut and the other two are not actually astronauts wow this one of them is a person made of moss so, so what i'm gathering is this book is contradictory has a lot of twists and turns is sci-fi and yeah it sort of reminds me of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy just in like the way you're describing it of being like it is not funny though oh so it's <laughs> worse than hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy <laughs> it's very serious but i think i'm figuring things out because i'm like okay it jumps to a whole like several chapters that are told in second person mm. what they the are fuck? about a homeless lady and i'm like i think half the characters are actually this homeless lady what like i think the like at first i thought it was the moss person but then i think wow in th- truly enthralling when you when you the twist <laughs> is that the main characters are not in fact moss people but in fact no, one I, old no. lady <laughs> Caroline, you're reading some weird books, but uh, um, I'm sure and then it's I also fun. checked out a book called Werewolf Cop. That sounds like a book I could get about. behind. You, you didn't need to tell me about dead astronauts. You could have just <laughs> skipped right to Werewolf Cop. 
I picked it up because it is called Werewolf Cop. It's such a powerful title. That power that title has so much energy. <laughs> and according to the inside flap, it is about a guy who turns into a werewolf and he he's a, a cop, cop by day, werewolf by night, werewolf cop. But only the part and the first line of it is bodies. Lots of bodies. Oh, what a hook. Yeah, it comes in, and what it is about is this guy. They call him the cowboy because he's from Texas. What is it with these authors and being like, this is the astronaut or this is the cowboy? Like, the universe revolves around them. Maybe it does in their literary world, but, like, it's pretty. It's kind of pretentious, I think, to be like. Yeah, it's about this guy and he's from Texas, and he's been hired by the National Security Agency, so the NSA, uh-huh. even though he's a, a police detective, to track down this guy who is the head of the Russian-German Hang mob. On. I just realized, real quick. So this book... I just want to summarize it as I understand yeah. it right now. It's about a cowboy, werewolf, um, police officer finding the Nazis. No, they were well. They were like Nazis. You could just say yes. Were held just... in Russian gulags. So yes, Nazis. So <laughs> this book sounds so think... much better than. Dead astronaut. It's not as well written, um, but well, with a w- name like Werewolf Cop, you might you might come to expect yes. something slightly poorer written. See, I have a suspicion that he doesn't become a werewolf until at a half. I haven't gotten to this point, but the amount of explanation of the plot that the inside flap gives, which feels like a lot of spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, suggests to me that he does not become a werewolf until halfway through the book. <laughs> Do you think he's going to fight a vampire in the age-old dichotomy? I have a suspicion that the guy who is the head of this mob is really a vampire. A vampire Nazi. Yeah. I love this. This book sounds exciting. Yes. Um, and then I also have to read a book where the plot is that this lady detective in Dublin finds out that this new murder victim is a, is inexplicably identical to her for no apparent reason. That's wild. She, so I bet then, the twist is that she has an identical twin or is crazy, and it's all a dream. <laughs> I think it's just an excuse so that she can pretend to be the person. Like, they just pretend like she didn't actually die. They're like, oh, she just got stabbed, but is fine. Oh. So then... She, she goes in and, like, lives in this weird house with her graduate student roommates. The and they're, like, all weirdly codependent. Oh. And then she has to pretend to be this person. Like, oh, yeah, I totally know you. Ha ha. Remember when we, we did that stuff together? Yes. <laughs> well. Um, so that's all the books. Well, those are some good books. I would like to mention, break the fourth wall a little bit, you know what I mean? Okay. Talk to our listeners about, so I know what you're thinking. 
these two have been talking about books for the last 10 minutes. What gives? <laughs> They've been describing their summer reading. We're gonna... <laughs> Don't worry, we'll get to it. We were also talking off mic about Pulp Fiction and mm-hmm. thematic elements of films. And I think maybe these literary elements can be meshed with uh, Pulp Fiction in the segment that we call... What's the segment called? I forget. Do you remember? Um, is it... This is, I guess it's a more movie talk, yeah. but we also have a uh, section that we've been doing the last couple of weeks called our heinous movie ideas. Heinous movie ideas. Uh, That's what I'm calling Do we have it. a jingle? I think we do. I think it's... Um, heinous movie segment okay (laughs) yeah it's a little bit it's excellent i love it it's a little bit uh hip-hop don't worry about it i'm a rapper um (laughs) so we were just like moving into this heinous movement movie segment um i want to talk about a couple ideas just to lay the groundwork for, okay. So that everyone's caught up. Because I have a list here in front of me of things that we talked about that I said, you know, let's address these on the podcast. The first thing on my list is Gun Ottoman. <laughs> um, I'm at a loss for remembering exactly how that came up. I, I know exactly what it would is. You mind, uh, would you mind reliving it for us? Um, we were talking about Chekhov's gun. Yes. And the way that is employed in film by the camera lingering for an extremely long time on a certain inanimate object, therefore telling you that it will be important later. Yes, yes. Like, like uh, in, in a quiet place was, I think, the example. Where it's like... Yeah, that was the example. The, like, nail that comes up. And you're like, oh, no, Someone's she's gonna step gonna on step it. On she's it. gonna step on it. She's gonna... And then she steps on it. And then, like, an hour later <laughs> right? into the movie, she steps on it. And it's like, oh, holy shit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, we were talking about that. And then we were saying, like, oh, what if it was just a movie where it zooms in um, dramatically on, like, a bunch of different objects? So, you don't know which <laughs> to... one is the Chekhov's gun? Yeah. And so, I think... We used the word Chekhov's gun, and then you were like, ooh, here's this ornate family coat rack. Here's this innate fa- ornate family ottoman. And then you just went, it's gun ottoman. It's, it's an ottoman <laughs> made of guns, and the coat rack is made of knives. I think that's a fun yes. idea to play around in. Um, oh, see, then I'm thinking about knives out, because they principally put yeah. the knife thing, and then... At the end, spoilers, um, I don't know, skip ahead. <laughs> skip ahead if you don't want to hear about this. Also, see Knives Out. It's, like, my favorite movie in recent memory. It's a good movie. So, sexy Chris Evans in the sweater. So sexy. <laughs> takes out the knife, and then, from the thing, and then he goes to stab. But he fails, because it's a prop knife, a... which actually goes back to another Chekhov's gun, because earlier in the movie... The, the guy who's his grandfather who is murdered in the whole mm-hmm. movie's about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a murder mystery movie. S- says that, he says about somebody that they wouldn't know a real knife from a prop knife. Yeah. 
which and you're like, oh, that was even another Chekhov's gun. Yeah, I didn't it's, even realize. it's Chekhov gun, Chekhov's gunception, which is yeah, I thought very clever. And then we were talking about how it's you were mentioning how it's kind of cliche how people <laughs> will like, oh, the Chekhov's gun is a gun, and then it's like they like they keep showing the gun throughout the movie, but it mm-hmm. and then like at the end, like someone gets shot. But wouldn't it be neat if instead it's a whole dramatic scene and then someone shoots at someone and they just, they go, oh, you missed. <laughs> oh, you missed. I think that would be a clever uh, thing to do. Yes. And then I gave the example of that scene from Pulp Fiction. Yep, that's, that's on my list. that's how we started talking about Pulp Fiction. Which we agreed is a film that people tend not to understand. Um, Mm -hmm. not saying that we understand it, saying that, (laughs) like, we're... Yeah, you dummies, you don't understand it, but we do with our film brains. Idiot listeners can't understand narrative progression unless it's fed to you on a silver... No. Um, I... Yeah, I don't get it. No, I, it's a collection of scenes that we came to the conclusion that we thought Tarantino just thought would be kind of fun to throw together. Yeah. On rewatch, um, on rewatch, I appreciated it more. The first time I watched it, I was like, "This sucks." <laughs> I I appreciated it just for the acting because I thought the acting in the scenes was really fun. Um, it is the acting is fun for anyone who hasn't watched uh, Pulp Fiction. Just to give, I'm not gonna say spoiler alert because it's a fucking old movie. But yeah, uh, but spoiler we're, alert. Sure. We're gonna talk about it. We won't tell you when the spoilers <laughs> end, though. But also, um, I just want to quickly summarize, like, sort of what Pulp Fiction is. How to like we can talk about how we perceive Pulp Fiction upon first watch because I love the movie, um, mm-hmm. and it, it basically start. It has a few different main characters in it, um, played by Samuel L. Jackson and. Um, what John John Travolta, Travolta are, are like the two big ones, and then there's Bruce Willis and there's uh, Uma Thurman. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea what any of these their characters' names are. I think uh, I think John Travolta is Vinny. I think that's his name. He, really? I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it you up. You go ahead. I'm gonna keep on just. It actually it kind of annoys me to only refer to so it, card movie characters by their actors' that's name. That's fair. But <laughs> um, but basically, so it follows them through different scenes, uh, not all together at once, but, uh, just sort of a collection of different things. And basically it, it surrounds, um, uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson's characters as they are like mob members. They're members of, uh, like a mob and, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're hitmen basically, but for like one group in particular. And it follows them on intimidating people or, like, doing various things or getting shot at. And it skips around that. It also skips around, like, a different assignment where, for instance, like, Samuel L. Jackson isn't there, actually. And uh, there's just a scene where uh, uh, John Travolta has to take out, like, the boss's uh, girlfriend or wife or whatever on a date. Yeah. Who's Uma Thurman, yeah. right? Um, okay. And it just, it, it gets sort of wacky, there are a bunch of crazy different scenes, and then the, in the finale of the film... Her character's name is Mia Wallace, okay. Yeah. okay. 
And you were right, John Travolta's character's name is Vincent. Vincent, yeah. But I don't think anyone calls him Vinny. I thought... And Samuel L. Jackson is Jules. Yeah, I thought that uh, Mia, or, or Uma Thurman's character, you said Mia, right? Yeah, but I think she's, like, referred to by her full name. Yeah, I think I think she calls him Vinny because she refers yeah. to him, like, affectionately. Um, yeah. but so, makes so it's them, and then it's also Bruce Willis, who is... Mm-hmm. The, all of these actors are just great actors in this film. Um, yeah, of course. I, I have a strong... Um, I have a passion. Feelings of affection for Bruce Willis, personally. Dude, me too. I want him... I wish he was my dad. <laughs> I, he's just the perfect father figure. He's so he's so cool. Um, Have you seen him in Fifth Element though? Not in Fifth Element. It was the first first time I saw Bruce Willis that I was like, oh, Bruce Willis <laughs> used to be hot. <laughs> yeah, I think I think something that's quintessential to me about Bruce Willis is that he doesn't have just like a hot face. He's just a great actor. Uh, yeah, but I loved him in Unbreakable and and like whatever else. Oh, that's so good. That's like the his best yeah, movie. He's so Controversial good. opinion. I don't know. Uh, that I like that. I really like Pulp Fiction. I'm sure there's other stuff, uh, but it doesn't. Uh, Die Hard. Oh, Die Hard. Um, <laughs> there's a bunch that he's great in. But yeah, anyway, he's been in movies. You might have heard of. You might have heard of. Uh, I like to call him uh, Brucey. Br- <laughs> no, I don't. That was a fucking lie. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so it follows these different characters, uh, and they just kind of... It's a collection of scenes. Like, there is not one continuous storyline. It's There's probably, I would say, like, two storylines that, that are, like, occurring maybe tangentially, and then, like, they cross paths, like, two or three times. Mm-hmm. Like, between the different, like, stories. And there's maybe actually, like, three-ish things going on um so that there you go that's my brief summary of pulp fiction do you have anything to add car um i'm gonna say i really like the scene with honey bunny and pumpkin (laughs) who are the the characters who hold the diner up Mm -hmm. um yeah they appear like in the beginning having kind of a discussion and then they sort of like go crazy and they're like jumping up on tables holding everybody at gunpoint yeah and at the and and then then at the end they address it again yeah so um I like that scene. I think the gimp mask um, Nazi guys in the Bruce Willis plot are very weird. I don't even remember that, like, <laughs> off of you mentioning that at all. <laughs> That's like, because his plot is like, he was paid to throw the fight because mm-hmm. he's a boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he decides not to. And so the gangster who... Um, vincent and jules work for is trying to kill him Mm -hmm. and then he's being chased by the guy like down a street and he goes into like this pawn shop oh yeah and they turn out to be nazis yeah and they like kidnap him and the the mob mob boss boss and like trap him in the basement and he kills them with a samurai and saves the mob boss and the mob boss like says that they're square um yeah yeah uh and then he's steals the guy's motorcycle and goes to pick up his girlfriend and she's like who where'd you get this motorcycle and he's like oh it's not mine it's this guy's and she's like where's that guy and he's like he's dead baby he's dead (laughs) right off (laughs) what a badass moment um 
Anyway, yeah, so maybe you, dear listener, are understanding at this point that, like, why we feel that, like, it's very difficult to understand Pulp Fiction. Because there's a lot of, like, like, there are a few deep moments specifically regarding the character, Samuel L. Jackson character, uh, Jules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where he, like, says, he has, like, some pretty sweet monologues just because he's Samuel L. Jackson and he's really good at those. Of course. Um, but, like... It kind of got me to thinking, like, there are a lot of movies that, like, people will say, like, oh, you just don't understand this movie. But I think it's really, like, hard to say there's one way to understand a movie because they're subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, when we're talking about Pulp Fiction, I don't think anyone understands in in that, like, in the sense of that word uh, or statement, Pulp Fiction. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a weird movie. I definitely think Tarantino wrote a bunch of scenes, <laughs> and then he was like, there is a chronological order to it, but if I put the movie in that order, it would be bad. So I'm going to not. It will just not be as fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it would have been fine, but if you progressed from the shootout at the beginning to, um, I guess the end would be the Bruce Willis part uh-huh. is really the last moment chronologically. And then he rides you'd off be kinda the like, sunset, yeah. Yeah, you'd be kind of like, huh? Mm-hmm. Whereas I think he felt like to end with Samuel Jackson's character, he decides because there's been a miracle where he, <laughs> you know, this guy tries to shoot them, like, Unloads his whole gun and, and every bullet misses. Mm-hmm. He thinks that this is like a sign that he should be quitting, a better person. quitting his uh, his run with the mob. Yeah, so he like diffuses the situation with the people who are robbing the diner, Honey Bunny like, and uh... Honey Bunny and Pumpkin, who are yeah. played by Tim Roth and Amanda something. Amanda. Amanda Plummer. Amanda Plummer. Um, they're great. I love that. <laughs> um, but he like diffuses it without killing them because and he's got this good line where he's talking about the leading the shepherd, which is this quote from the Bible, which he says he just said because he thought it sounded cool, but now he's trying to like figure out what it means uh-huh. and like who he is in the situation. And then he decides to kind of like be a knight errant and, like, travel the world saving people. Yeah. To which John Travolta replies, you want to be a bum? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So, but... So I end that movie, and it ends there. So it's kind of on a more positive note. So I like the idea, because we're going to get to our heinous movie ideas. Yes, of course. Um, After we talk about how this is a good movie, we got to talk about something horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I... You know, it might not be the most heinous idea, but I'm thinking now because we had your whole mention of, uh, you know, you were talking about your books. Uh, what if, uh, what if this, what if like someone was a werewolf? What if, mm-hmm. what if instead of, this isn't necessarily a heinous idea, but what if uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis wasn't being hunted down by the mob? And what if, okay. Let's say it takes place in, like, the 1600s or the 1400s or something. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of farmers. 
And instead of being hunted down by, like, the mob, he's being hunted down by the angry townspeople and, like, the mayor. Yeah. Because he's a werewolf. Gonna write this down. I thought you were gonna get close, too close to my actual movie idea (laughs) that I've been writing. (laughs) Are you actually writing that down? Wow. Um, Um, yeah, I mean, I love werewolves. Did you know that they're my favorite monster? I thought Bigfoot was your favorite monster. Or the Mothman. Um, Bigfoot isn't a monster. He's a cryptid. He, he's a cryptid. <laughs> oh. How dare you insult Bigfoot by calling him a monster. You're right. That's my bad. Bigfoot is a peaceful, lovable creature. <laughs> in some, uh, in some canons. Yeah. Well, sometimes they throw rocks at you. Yeah. Other, like, um, or maybe you're you. thinking of, like, the Monsters Incorporated Bigfoot or Yeti. Uh. <laughs> maybe I'm thinking of, like, one of them from, like, I don't know, Lost Tapes. Like, this series that, like, would, like, it was fake, but, like, they would, like, have, like, yeah. live videos that were found of crazy shit that happened. Yeah. I think Bigfoot has been demonized. <laughs> When I say monster, I mean, like, universal monsters. <laughs> like, vampires, oh, gotcha. werewolves, mummies, that sort of thing. Not cryptids, which are real, Oh, of obviously. course, of course. Um, anyway, you're, you have a, an affinity for werewolves, which is fair. They're kind of like dogs, so that makes them lovable. Um, and they die to silver, which is something that we could do, so we don't have to fear them. Yeah, I mean, but... Because we can keep them in check. How much silver do you have? Uh, I have enough. I have enough, probably. You know, like... It's expensive, I mean, silver. Oh, and then... And then... I assume it's got to be, like, pretty high-quality silver. Yeah. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't <laughs> nah, know offhand. You can get them with cheap, cheap... You can't get them with cheap plated stuff. You can't. Stuff. Oh, it has to be... It's got to be real sterling. Oh, I see. Um... Anyways, what, what what could we play around with with Pulp Fiction with uh, him being becoming a werewolf? You know, I always wanted to do a black and white um, noir movie with a werewolf. I know you did. You've talked to me many times about <laughs> it. I tell you that one? Yes. Um, where he would be a detective and he's got to solve a crime and he's like, maybe I committed the crime as a werewolf. And I don't remember because I'm a werewolf. Maybe they're, right? maybe this is that movie. Maybe they're hunting Bruce, like the mob or the government or whatever is, or the mayor and the townsfolk. I would definitely cast Bruce Willis 100%. He'd be such a good werewolf. I know. Um, and can you imagine him in 40s clothes? I like that. Or what if we did do a genre mashup and it was like 1600s, mm-hmm. but it was a noir detective <laughs> movie about werewolves? That could be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it opens instead of a diner, it's like at church or something. Mm-hmm. The only fear there for me is I don't like too much Jesus in my movies. I don't like too much of a preachy religious thing. Well, I, I, as soon as you said that, I assumed you were going to make everybody at the church bad people. Yes. You're going to go yes. Stephen King they, route. They are the mob. 
they're yeah yeah well yeah well i think it could be a collection because it could be the mob people attending it could be Mm -hmm. honey bunny and pumpkin and it could be Mm -hmm. just like regular church dudes oh what if the church was held up yeah there was a robbery by a werewolf (laughs) it's like midnight mass Oh, okay. What if he go? It goes like another Tarantino movie, um, from dusk till dawn, and it starts out a crime movie, mm-hmm. and then it turns into a supernatural horror movie. I like that. I've always liked the idea of like, what if there was a movie where just like at the end, out of nowhere, and I know it would be super unsatisfying, but at the end, out of nowhere, surprise! It was aliens. There are aliens also. And have you seen Ten Cloverfield Lane? Yes. That's what happens, and everyone hates that ending. I love that ending so much. (laughs) I love that it's just, surprise, it is aliens. Surprise, it was aliens the whole time. And you're just like, okay. (laughs) I love that. Good, why do we have, like, a hive mind going on? I don't know, but it's, I, yeah, I like the, at the end, oh my god, so it's the big reveal at the end, is instead of Mm. Jules being just like enlightened he's Mm -hmm. leaving the mob because he goes full werewolf in front of everyone and then he just like i don't know does he kill everyone in the church at the end it's like i don't know dude Hmm. okay so he's been sent by the mob to hold up the church and steal their money no no i was saying like there, he, like, talks someone down out of... Okay, oh. Or, or something. Like, he, he is literally, like, the character of Jules. But he's played by Bruce okay. Willis. Okay, is Okay. It's Jules, but played by Bruce Willis? Is that what we're saying? Yes. So he's a, okay. he's a cool guy. But then at, okay. at the very end of the movie, it's like... Like, that's why he decides to leave the mob. Because, like... Okay. And maybe he gets shot by people, but it's not with, like, silver, and that's right. the blessing. Right, so then he f- finds out that he is, he can't be killed and we lay, by normal weapons. And we lay it, oh, we gotta, like, lay down little, like, like hints that, oh my god, he could be a werewolf. But people need to understand werewolf lore going into the movie. Okay, yeah, we could have it where it's a more obscure reason for becoming a werewolf uh-huh. rather than being bitten by a werewolf. I don't think we even mention that he was, like, directly that he was bitten by the werewolf. I like that idea. Oh, we could have him have, like, a cool scar. Yeah. Like a bite mark. Yeah. And then people will be like, what's that? And he's like, nothing. He could be like, <laughs> I was dealing with, like, a dog or something. Oh, yeah. it could be like in um in Dark Knight where the Joker's always like, where'd I get these scars? And he gives a different reason every time or something. But that might, yeah, yeah I like that. Right, because he's trying to intimidate people. So he'd be like, yeah, this is from like... A bear. A bear or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, this guy tried to fight me and he all these trained dogs, but I beat them up. <laughs> I punched those dogs right in their <laughs> snouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love this. I actually, uh-huh. for the first time on our heinous uh, film rewrites segment, I think mm-hmm. we have something that would be actually a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I love coming up with movie ideas. I think the problem is you have to like 
write them and then market them. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is all the stuff after you have a cool idea where you actually yeah. have to do work. I guess a lot of people smooth. probably have cool ideas, right? Yeah. It's easy. Of course. But he's got scars and then different explanations. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um... And then I think it just ends with him, like, leaving the mob. And they're like, why are you leaving the mob? And he's like, can't tell you. Or he's like, I found God. And that's why it's in a church. And then he Mm -hmm. walks out. And then, like, the final shot is, like, he's walking away out of, like, the, like, away from the church. And then he just Mm -hmm. transforms into a werewolf, like, halfway down the moonlit road. And no one else Mm -hmm. is there. And then he just runs into the night. Okay. But, like... So then it's just, like, it's really not important to the plot at all that he's a werewolf. Yeah. It's just we lay little... (laughs) But, like, that's instead of, like, leaving because there was a miracle, but, like, Mm -hmm. that's why he's leaving is he finds out he's a werewolf when he's not killed by regular bullets. Okay. Yeah, I kind of like that. I I would love to make a movie where it's just (laughs) kind of irrelevant. Yeah. But you're like, oh, okay, he was a werewolf. What the the fuck? And people at the end, he'll just werewolves are real, dude. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that. (laughs) Just like it, it it is completely extraneous to the plot. Like it's Mm. literally just like going through like daily, like it's like a collection of like four stories, and then Mm -hmm. at the end, also. He's a werewolf. <laughs> I, I love that. That's a pretty good one. Um, uh, we are coming up on about 40 minutes here. We're coming up on uh, about time. So the last thing I want to mention uh, after our segment, before we wrap up, just briefly, is uh, the last thing on my list is complain about men. Okay, good. Which is always fun to do. So let's just go on a little tangent. If you have a tangent for... That was a that was so. a different idea suggestion I had, but it was because I was making dinner with my parents, and then I had a whole a whole rant, and I was like, "Oh man, I could put this on our podcast," but it, all it amounted to was um, just that I've been trying to go into bars, but I <laughs> you're you're guy friend is young but my guy friends can't get in <laughs> and i don't i don't want to leave them because <laughs> i'm too nice you are too nice you know what i hate about boys yeah they fucking smell awful dude i live on this floor full of boys oh yeah they're stinky dorms with boys are disgusting i don't know why that is people they don't bathe they don't bathe they don't flush they just smell bad they don't wash their clothes (laughs) it's yeah for weeks and weeks look i fully accept that i am that i am all of those things we described i don't wash my clothes enough i am stinky and i live on a dorm floor i do flush and i brush my teeth every day soaks into the floorboards like the, the stink or the, the or the or when generation. they don't flush the shit but after they don't it flush just, it just oh god really they don't flush sometimes i guess you're the ra so you know all about that yeah they also well they also like publicly in our group chat because we have a group me they will publicly mm-hmm. like shame everyone on the floor and just be like whoever didn't flush you're disgusting <laughs> That's another thing about boys. They're abrasive. So you hear about it constantly. Yeah, and then I'm like, guys, flush. Also, don't 
make people feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> but like in my head, I'm like, yeah, you are fucking disgusting. They just assume they're automatic toilets. Or they're just they live in a world where you don't have to flush toilets. Yeah, or they're they're, they're just conserving it's water. Cool to leave. Yeah, they're like I'm being environmentally <laughs> friendly actually by <laughs> leaving my shit shit everywhere. I don't even shit in the. Ugh. They're like I don't even shit in the toilet. I just take it to the common room and let it loose. <laughs> yeah, I think this conversation came up just because, you know. My my mom was like, "Will you never have any trouble getting in anywhere when you're a girl? They'll let you in to bars when you're underage. They'll let you into frat parties." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I just have all these guy friends, and they're always like, I can't get in." And then I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I guess we'll like, go somewhere else." And you're like, "Well, then tuck your dick between your legs and pretend that." Put on a cute outfit. Put on a cute outfit. <laughs> throw on a dress. Like, I have an extra. Like, I don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, seriously, I went to L.A., and all the people I was with wanted to go to this bar. And it was, like, this one girl's, like, 21st birthday. Mm-hmm. And I get out of the car, and it's, like, she and this guy are, like, standing outside the bar. Because her she had just turned 21, so mm-hmm. her card wouldn't scan as being over 21 because it was like an under 21 id and then this guy like went to the bar even though he knew he was 20 and didn't have a fake id and i was like okay well you're an idiot so then i had to take them me at a whole 22 years old had to take these babies these literal infants had to take them across the street and babysit them for the night Wow. And then all the other people were like, why would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you hang out with babies? Why wouldn't you just abandon them to stand outside a bar awkwardly? And I'm like, (laughs) because I couldn't just walk away. Because that's too, because you're too weak. You're too nice. I am weak. Stop being nice to people. It's. It's just, it only harms you. Yeah, I know in the first season the of the podcast, the whole thing was, hey, maybe we should be nicer to people. I think in this season we realized that, no, we're mean to people for a reason. They deserve it. Yeah. I mean, my problem is that I think mean things about people in my head, <laughs> and then I'm just absurdly nice to them in person. Well, that's, you know... That's a that's a thing that we could definitely address on on the next episode is your your inability <laughs> to express how you feel to individuals. So, um, okay, but put a pin on it. Get ready, guys. Get ready, guys. It's season two. Deal with it. Season two. It's only been two weeks again since we made a video. Yeah, we're pretty we're pretty shite about this, but we're we're gonna try and keep them coming. Stuff was just busy. Um. Yeah. Anyways, uh, honestly, social media is not a worry. Keep listening to the podcast, though. Uh, we're going to keep on uploading. Uh, we'll, if you really want us to make social media stuff, just email us at nostfactor at gmail.com. I think that's the most, uh, I think that's the most important social media we have. Yes. Um, Our email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, anyways, uh, thank you for tuning in once again. If you have anyone that you think would enjoy the show, please let them know about it. 
and uh, Caroline. Pass it on, and folks, as always, check out your days. <laughs> <laughs>